Oh, did you see the tease I did? Yeah, I had it on social media. Over 700,000 people did something within three weeks. I don't know, is it a craze? Is it a new habit? Are these people nuts? It's all about a game, and a game that was just made very popular again with a brand new series on Netflix. We're going to talk about it on this episode. The game, the 700,000 people, maybe you, definitely me. Mel Brooks also had some fun with this too in a movie called History of the World Part 1. Knight Jumps Queen. We're talking chess on Street Curb Curiosity. 700,000 people did what? In three weeks, 700,000 people joined chess.com to play the game chess. Yeah, the drama series we're talking about, what's causing all of this? It's called Queen's Gambit on Netflix. You know, 62 million households watched this Netflix series in the first 28 days it hit the network. It's ranked number one on Netflix in 63 different countries. And Google uh, searches for how to play chess hit a nine-year high. Now, come on. Chess is a fun game, so you just better calm down. Like I said, it grew over 700,000 players on chess.com in about three weeks. They estimate that about nine million games are played every day on the weekend. Every day, nine million games. Which, I mean, you could be playing against a computer, but that's, that's 18 million people playing chess every day on one website. It's big shit, people. It's really, really big. Chess has always been big. Well, it's a game that actually started in India. Some people say China. Might be India. Might be China. Somewhere around the 6th century. And it quickly spread through, uh, you know, throughout the known world at that point. And it really became the, the game of games in Italy and in Spain around the 15th century. But I will say that most major religions really were not happy about it. They view this game as like you trying to run the world. And, you know, the Pope wasn't having any of that, and the kings and queens, no pun intended, were also not having any of that. And that was really, really some drama back then. But the world got less uptight, and now the entire world plays chess. Have you ever played? Yeah? Oh, we're going to get into some of that, but I hope you have played, because it actually is a really fun game. The most common move, by the way, is pawn to e4. Uh, And yes, there is a game called um, Fool's Mate. You can win in chess in only two moves. Two. One, two moves. We're going to talk about it later on. You have to be playing black. Uh, As I said, it's called Fool's Mate. White opens pawn to f4, f3, then a pawn to g4. And what we're going to share all the moves later on. Uh, and you have to picture the squares, like, you know, the squares from left to right on white are A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then you can go to uh, square one, square two, square three, square four. So B4 would be two squares over, four squares up, if that makes sense to you. Can you picture that in your mind? Okay. So let's talk about playing chess. I asked you if you played. I have to admit, I played on a team you ready for this? I played on a team in high school. High school. Yes. I No, I was not a football player or a basketball player. I played on the freaking chess team. Don't be such a freaking hater, okay? I know the ladies think this is really, really hot. My very first game in public, I remember it like it was yesterday. This guy 
I remember he, he had thick glasses. That's all I could really remember about him. Uh, and I was probably, God, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. This guy kicked my ass in like 10 moves. Really, really freaked me out because uh, I was like, I was really into it. This was, this was back in the 70s, uh, and the, the, the Cold War was really big. I learned actually how to play chess during the Cold War. Some old boomers might remember these names. Spassky versus Fisher. The Russian versus the American started back in 1972. Bobby Fischer won that one, by the way. And computer projections show that Bobby Fischer is still probably the best chess player of all times in the world. But man, I had the books. I was playing against myself. I was trying to find other people to play. People were talking about it. This was like headline shit in the newspapers. Now, look, this is the early 70s. There is no internet, there is no phone, there is no Snapchat, there is no Twitter blowing this thing up. You were reading about a game of chess being played between the Soviet Union and the United States in Iceland back in the early 70s. And it was really, really the big thing. Uh, and also, by the way, you didn't play against a computer because you had no computer, so you were really looking for other people to play against. It was like big time drama. It was great. The current master, by the way, is a guy by the name of Magnus Carlsen from Norway. And uh, Magnus, if I'm saying your name wrong, I do apologize. Never want to piss off a chess player. So what kind of people play chess? Well, there are a couple of different personalities out there. I am one of those personalities. I like a good play. I play against the computer. I, and, and in most cases, I set the computer to the hardest level of all, and it just kicks my ass all the time. Now, you, you can set it down to a, a level of like 50%, uh, and it will make some dumb moves once in a while. But it, 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 So it's good to win against the computer. It, it's actually really good for your ego. But the kind of people who play chess... Well, first there is the person who is just going to attack, 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 attack. They move out, they grab as many pieces as they possibly can. And actually many of the pro grandmasters, this is the way they, they kind of play. Uh, Bobby Fischer, who we were talking about, was one of those guys. Man, he just went balls to the wall, grabbed as many pieces as he can, but he was also smart about it at the, t you know, at the same time. There is also the complete opposite, which is the no risk taker. They move really slow. They're very methodical. They don't want to lose any pieces. Please don't take my pawn. I, I, I want to keep every piece on the board as I possibly can. Another kind of player is the exchange win-win player. I will take your pawn for my pawn. You can take my bishop for my bishop. I will take your rook for my rook. Give a rook, take a rook, take a knight. Uh, they can be pawn eaters at times, um, but they, they like to just like one-for-one one trade all the time on the board, and those games kind of go fairly quickly. And then there is the, the, the person who takes a million years to make a move. They calculate all the possibilities. I mean, in the end, they really don't know what the hell they're doing, but they kind of want to make it look like they do. So they ponder everything, they make a move, they screw up, bang, you take a piece, and they're very unhappy about it, and the game continues. And, and it, through all these kinds of people, as I'm, I'm describing them, there are methods to beat these kind of people. And maybe we'll do another podcast on it. We'll, we'll do a chess instruction podcast. My God, wouldn't that be interesting? 
<laughs> and finally, another kind of person is the perfectionist. Yeah, I, they, they think they're the next grandmaster, or they, they like to look like one. You know, they're, they're smoking a pipe. And no, I'm not talking that kind of pipe. I'm, I'm talking like they have, I, I don't know, like cherry tobacco in, the, in their pipe. They have the sport coat on with the elbow patches and possibly the turtleneck, and they're, and they're looking over their glasses, and they're going to examine every move available on the board to see what is going to be next because, hmm, I think I'm going to beat you. And if you do play chess, uh, besides just like sitting out in the park and doing it, you know there were time limits and move limits and all that other kind of weird stuff. Uh, but th- these kind of people just, I don't know, they, they will take all day if they can for one move to try to make it look like they have their act together. So as I asked earlier, do you play? Do any of those uh, personalities fit your chess personality? Do you become a different person while you're playing chess? I got to say that I do. I, at least I used to. I used to be really, really, really serious about it and be really pissed off if I, I, you know, if I did something dumb. But now, playing against a computer, I mean, you really learn how human you are and how stupid you really can be. So you kind of get over it and you make some fun, having some fun with it. Here in Philadelphia, there is, I, and I have no idea what the guy's name is, but he, he sets up a chessboard down at Rittenhouse Square and will just play random people passing by. Hey, you want to do a quick chess game? I did play with him once, uh, and then he actually had to go. We were about halfway through the game. Actually, a really good chess player, and I, I have to say, patting myself on the back a little bit, I held my own. Uh, I haven't really played against him since. I mean, we ended in a draw because he had to go. But uh, it's really kind of fun to pick up a game like that. And you can do it as well, too. Uh, I, I've read, I've, I've never known anybody, but I have read about people who play by mail. Yes, snail mail. Some people do it via email now. I've read stories about that of where, you know, you would make a move, you would write it down in a piece of paper, you would put it in an envelope, you would put a stamp on that envelope, and you would mail it to that person. And then they would mail a move back to you. Now, all the great folk stories about this are, you know, you're playing against somebody in Norway or some far-off place. And all of this was really pre-internet, so it wasn't like you're emailing each other. But people do that now. And as a matter of fact, now you can, besides joining things like chess.com that we were talking about, if you open up the app store on your phone or on your iPad or whatever, uh, you'll see, man, there are dozens of chess games. There's chess with friends, like word with friends. You can do a lot of really fun stuff like this and, and take the time making the moves. And speaking of making the moves, there are some unspoken rules. Uh, I mean, you, you really have to set this up prior to getting into serious play. Like, for example, there's the, the one-touch move. If you put your hand on a piece, that's the piece that you have to move. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't like, oh, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. Now, you can make a comment about it because, you know, chess players are actually really freaky people, so they're rearranging their chess pieces all the time, but you have to make the announcement about that first. There's also the three-move fold. Yeah, and I've seen people do this of where, you know, the game's kind of getting down to the end, and they're not really sure what to do, so they'll move their king one square. And then when it's their move again, they move the king back to the original square. And then when it's their move, they move the king back to this square they moved to in the first place. Well, after three moves, officially, that game is over, and that game is a draw. Speaking of uh, getting back to, let's get back to 24-year-old Anya Taylor-Joy. She is the just amazing, amazing redhead in the game uh, and in the Queen's Gambit series on Netflix. She's part Argentinian and part British. 
Uh, she's played in The Dark Crystal. She's played in the movie The Witch. I got to tell you, the Netflix series is is great. It's seven uh, seven episodes long, and it was one of those of where I forced myself to make this thing last three days. I watched the first two episodes, and then the following night it was another two episodes, and then I plowed through the rest of it the following night. And in this, Anya plays uh, this this chick is really screwed up. I mean, she has some severe addictions. She had a really weird childhood. A little bit of a touch of insanity in there, but she is suffering also from the curse of being just one very badass chess player, and she knows it. Uh, Speaking of being good at chess, get ready to write this down. I did promise you this. You want to learn about the two-move mate? It's called the fool's mate. Okay. Now, again, you have to look up how to read a chessboard, uh, and you have to be playing black to win this, so you've got to hope that the person playing white makes the wrong moves. So here's the two-move mate. First, white opens with pawn to f3 or f4. Black moves then pawn to e5. White moves then pawn to g4. Black then moves queen to h4. Checkmate. Over... Two moves by black, and that game is done. I've seen other people lose in five or six moves. Like I said, the very first game I played publicly, it was under a dozen moves. This guy just kicked my ass. But uh, you can really humiliate somebody like that, and a computer program will do that to you as well, too. So make sure that you really figure out what the hell you're doing before you're done. And when we're done with this podcast, like I said before, open up the App Store, get yourself a game going. Chess is actually a lot of fun if you've not played. A computer will teach you how to play. You'll make some friends online. Join chess.com. You might even know some people who want to play. You can play them over the phone. You can play Zoom chess games. I've seen that as well, too. You really need to make your move, okay? So you go ahead and do it, just like we did here on Street Curb Curiosity. (laughs) 